And we'll begin our reading in verse number 60, John chapter 6. And we'll begin our reading in verse number 60. We'll read to the end of the chapter together, John chapter 6, verse 60. The Bible says, And many therefore of his disciples, when he had heard, of, uh, heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, and flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who, would, uh, he, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. I want us to notice the expression that we find in verse 67 together this morning. Jesus asked a question. He said, will ye also go away? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we're grateful for the, the time that we can have to gather together around your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word would indeed speak to our hearts through the work of your spirit, that it would convict us and it would, uh, Lord, guide us into your truth. I pray that you would bind Satan and his demons as you give parable that uh, to take over a home, you must first bind the strong man. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that. You would bind the strong man. I pray that your word would fall on the good ground of our hearts, that it would grow, that it would produce fruit. And I pray that you would be glorified with our response to your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we study these verses, we really do find a, a comprehensive commentary about those who uh, were not true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we study the last chapters of John, we see how people had missed the spiritual lessons that Jesus was teaching. Many saw Jesus as an earthly king, one who would defeat the oppression of the Romans and set them free, but a spiritual Messiah was not what they believed Jesus to be, and they struggled with that. In verse 64, Jesus said that there are some of you that believe not, believe that he was indeed the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so Jesus begins in the Gospel of John, 
he begins, he begins to give them some hard sayings, some doctrine, some, some teaching, truth about eternal life, truth about the cross and his death and his burial and his resurrection. In John chapter 6, verse 62, the Bible says, What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, or gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you uh, that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. In this crowd of people, uh, Jesus defines for us that they were those who refused to believe. In this crowd of people, they were those who followed Jesus for earthly reasons, material reasons. Maybe some wanted to see another miracle. Maybe others wanted to be fed. Um, and, and there were those who would betray him, turn against him. They, the Bible says that Jesus knew who it was that had believed. And we know that Jesus knows our heart. He knows everything about us. And so the question that we have to ask uh, ourselves, our own hearts this morning is, is where do you stand with God this morning? Where do you fit into this group of people? In verse 63, Jesus taught us that it is the spirit who gives life. Our flesh, of course, profiteth little. It is, it is salvation. It is from God. Uh, and Jesus is indeed the living word. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that he is the word and he became flesh. He was made flesh and and we have in our hands the very uh, word of God, the written word of God. And the Bible says of Jesus and the written word of God that both are truth and both are light and both are eternal. And by believing the Bible, we are planting that eternal uh, seed in our hearts, that seed of the gospel. As Peter said in First John, or excuse me, First Peter chapter one, verse twenty-three, being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so salvation is believing the word of God. It is trusting uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. I love what Peter, uh, what Paul said in Romans 1.16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so in verse 51 of our text, notice what Jesus said here. He says, I am the living bread, John 6, 51, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall uh, live forever. And the bread which I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so by partaking of that bread, uh, that word of God or the words that Jesus is speaking, we see that we find eternal life. It was Jesus who said in Matthew 4, 4, the Bible says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, by bread alone, this is physical bread, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so many got offended by what Jesus had to say. It, conflicted with their own ideologies, their own opinions. And so Jesus says in verse 61 here of our text, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, 
he said unto them, does this offend you? Now, this is not speaking specifically to the 12 disciples, but all of those that were following the Lord Jesus. And so we read in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Those who followed Jesus for other reasons than that he was the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, they drifted away. They, they, they left him. They walked away, and they followed after other things. I like what one commentary said about this passage of Scripture. They said, what brought things to a head with his listeners was the matter of his flesh in verse 51. Uh, and what he had to say about it, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And that bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. It's important to understand uh, what the Lord means here by his flesh. This is not his literal body. Such, uh, this is not his literal body. His flesh is a metaphor he uses for his human nature, the totality of his life on the side of his, of his humanity. The giving of his flesh is reference to his sacrificial death, and his death is both, both voluntarily, I will give, and vicarious for the life of the world. And so many of his disciples followed Jesus for earthly reasons, for fleshly, fleshly reasons. And, and the Bible teaches us that. If we could go to uh, verse 26, look what the Bible says in chapter 6 of John. And verse 26, as the Bible is its best commentary, notice what the Bible says in verse 26. It says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye, ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. And so they followed the Lord Jesus for material reasons, not for spiritual reasons. But when Jesus began to speak about the spiritual need of the people, not the physical bread and the physical need, but the spiritual need of the people, the spiritual bread that they must receive, that they must take, those that heard that became offended and they walked away and they followed Jesus no more. And I think it's important for us to understand as all of these disciples are walking away or leaving, Jesus turns to his own 12 disciples, the ones that he had chosen for that office. And in verse 67, notice the words of Jesus here, the question. The question that he asked these disciples who were close to him, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Will ye also go away? You know, Jesus asked this question here not because he's looking for an answer. Jesus already knows their heart. But he's allowing them to cement in their heart the reason why they were following Jesus. Why are you following me? Why are you a disciple? Everyone's leaving, Peter. Everyone's going away. They, they all want their, their physical needs met. They all follow me because what they can get. And there's a lot of Christians, if we were honest, they follow Jesus because they want God to give them something. 
material blessings and all of these things and, and, and all of these people that when Jesus started tackling the hard questions, the questions of the heart and the soul, they walked away. And Jesus said, Peter, are you leaving too? Are you leaving too? I want us to notice this text. Number one, can we think about Peter's conclusion here? Peter's conclusion. You see, Peter was convinced that there was no other teacher, no other person that could take Jesus' place in his life. Look what the Bible says in verse 68 of our text. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We understand that Peter was seeking spiritual things. And Peter said, Lord, where, to whom would we go? Who would we go to? You have the words of life. We could follow after empty religion, the empty religion of the Pharisees. We could follow after the philosophy of the Greek. But Lord, who would we go to? You have the wonderful words of life. Someone said this, who having heard Christ, who having heard Christ, who would want to go to, to the teachings of Buddha or Confucius or Mohammed who having heard Christ, who would want to listen to the teachings of Darwin or Marx? Peter said, you have the key to eternal life. To whom would we go? We sing a hymn in our hymn book. We don't sing it often, but it's a, a wonderful hymn. And the words go something like this. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty Teach me faith and duty, wonderful words, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. And this is the song of Peter in our text in this passage of Scripture. You know, if you're a Bible student today and you remove from your mind all of the confusion that's in our world today about God and the Bible, and you just open the Bible just you and the Spirit of God. And as you read through the Bible, you come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is everything that he claimed to be. Jesus Christ is God, and he is the Savior of the world. He died for our sins, and he is the only acceptable sacrifice that satisfies the very holiness of Almighty God. Peter said, who would I go to? You have the words of eternal life. I love Peter's conclusion. And as we think of Peter's conclusion this morning, it's important for us to understand that we cannot reject him. We cannot reject him. The Bible says in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast. Jesus is the bread of life, and Jesus gives salvation to all freely who would come to him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, can you turn there with me? Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, notice the conclusion of the word of God as we think about all that is written and all that is declared. How does God and this incredible book, 
verse 17 of Revelation chapter 22. The Bible says this, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. How does God end this wonderful book? It's an invitation. Come to Jesus. Don't reject him. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I read during the uh, Spanish-American War, Carla Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. And one day, uh, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her and he wanted to buy some food for his six, six soldiers. And she refused to sell him any of that food. Uh, his, man, his men needed help and he was prepared to even pay of his own pocket for this food. And he asked someone why in the world uh, she wasn't willing to sell the food. And someone responded, all you have to do is ask for it. And then a smile kind of broke out on Roosevelt's face as he understood that the provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask and they would be freely given. And the Bible teaches us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All we have to do is call out, for salvation. Understand our need that Jesus Christ died for us and that he rose again from the grave. That's the gospel and to put our faith and trust in him. Jesus offers salvation to all that would come to him. Our flesh profiteth nothing, the Bible says. It is all through Christ. And salvation isn't based on your social status. It's not based by how much money you have. It's not based on your family creed. Listen, it's not even based on your good works. It's found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And if we would come to Christ today, we can enjoy the blessing of our sins forgiven. And I encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus, don't reject him today. Trust in him. But for Christians, I think it's important for us to understand as well that we cannot neglect him. We cannot neglect him. Notice the confidence and assurance that Peter had. Peter said, where would we go? You have the words to eternal life. You have all that we need. And sometimes the, the devil is there to whisper in the heart of a Christian that we cannot be content in all that God has. And we begin to stray. We, we turn our eyes off the Lord. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews in the second chapter, Hebrews Chapter 2, and notice if we could what the writer of Hebrews is saying in this wonderful scripture here. Hebrews chapter 2, and notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we... Now, the Bible doesn't say reject here. It says neglect, to make light of. 
how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. You know, Christians can backslide in their Christian faith because they make light of a great salvation. And the devil is there to tempt us to look at other things, the world and the things of the world. But we cannot forget about the fact that Jesus is all that we need. He saved us. He gave to us eternal life. And we have a wonderful salvation. And we must hold dear that wonderful salvation. And so we find Peter's conclusion. We cannot reject a great salvation. We cannot neglect a great salvation. But also in our text here, I see Peter's confession. Not only his conclusion, but I also notice his confession. Notice the confession here in verse 69. The Bible says, We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that's a powerful confession that Peter is making. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 16. Let's turn there if we could. Matthew chapter 16 and notice this confession as well by Peter. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13 is where we'll begin our reading here. Matthew 16 and verse number 13. And notice what the Bible says here. Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, now notice he makes it personal here, but whom say ye that I am? And this is a question that only you and your heart can ask. And Simon Peter, verse 16, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is indeed an accurate confession because Jesus is indeed the Son of the living God. He is God, and the Bible says he is the Savior of the world. As we look at, at John chapter 6, we notice some interesting thoughts here. The Greek language is very strong in this expression here in John chapter 6. And we notice the confidence of Peter as Peter is saying we. Notice what the Bible says again in our text. He says here, we believe, we. And the word there, we, is speaking of those who are closest to you. He, he's talking about the 12 disciples here. Oh yeah, all of those, all of those people, those friends people, they can go, but we who are closest to you, Lord, we know who you are. We believe. We believe. We don't care what the world says. We don't care what others have to say. We know who you are. This is their conviction, their conviction. These fickle followers will come and go, Lord those who would walk away, but, but we know, we are assured, we have confidence in who you are. So who is Jesus? Well, let's turn to John chapter 1 and notice what John the Apostle 
had to say in John chapter 1 and verse number 1. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. John boldly declares for us in the inspired word of God that Jesus is equally God. Jesus is God. That Jesus is eternally God. No beginning and no end. Jesus did not begin in a manger in Bethlehem. He has always been. And Jesus is essentially God, never ceasing to be God When he became a man, he was 100% or fully man and fully God. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says that he is the creator and that not only did he create all things, by him all things consist. And those who would speak his name in just a mere blasphemy, those who would speak his name and mockery have no idea who they are talking about. They are talking about the very God who gave them life. He is God. And many walked away because they did not see Jesus as who he was. Oh, he's a prophet. Oh, he's a good teacher. Oh, he's a wonderful man. Oh, he, he, is, he is one who provides socially for our world and gives food, and, and that's a wonderful blessing, but they missed it all. He is the eternal God who came to die for their sins. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you must believe that I am he. He, the Messiah, the Savior, or you will die in your sins. The invitation was given over and over again of who Jesus is. John 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. I am. And so we notice in this passage of Scripture, his confidence. Those who are close to you, we know who you are. But also, I want us to think about this. When everything changes, Jesus never changes. When everything changes, when everything around us changes, when we become discouraged, when when, when we become sad or angry, when being a Christian is hard and difficult, when following God in our homes and in our workplace isn't the in thing to do, when there's pressures from within and from without. It's the confidence in who Jesus is that keeps us going. Because when everything around us changes, Jesus never changes. And Jesus doesn't follow the whims of culture. No, he is always the same. He is still on the throne. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy. Can you turn there? 2 Timothy chapter 1. And it's my belief that Timothy was struggling and uh, he's pastoring in Ephesus and 
There, there's, some, there's some false teachers that are in the church and uh, being associated with the, the great apostle Paul isn't as, as great and grand as it used to be. And, and there's some pressures that, that, that Timothy is facing. And so here is Paul. He's writing to encourage Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And notice what he pens here in verse 6. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can imagine your mind, the struggles that's in the mind of Timothy as he's pastoring this church in Ephesus and Paul is reminding him of God's calling upon his life the indication of the putting on of, of, of the hands. And, and also he's saying, listen, God has not given you the spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power and of love and of a thinking mind. And, and, and when it's not popular to serve God, Timothy, you, you got to keep on going. you got to keep on being faithful. And, of course, Paul is writing this from a, a prison cell and Christians are being persecuted. And he says, don't be fearful, Timothy. Trust in the Lord. Verse number 8, he says, Uh, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who have saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought uh, life to immortality, to light through the gospel. Wherefore, I, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things, Timothy. I'm going through the same things and the same struggles Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. But why didn't Paul walk away? Why didn't Paul give up? Because he says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You see, no matter what changes in our world, Jesus is always the same. And we build our life upon that very conviction that he is God and he is our savior. And so Paul says, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which is committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us, for I know whom I have believed. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. A firm confidence in who Jesus is makes all the difference in the world. I'm going to give you my last point, and I'm going to be done. Notice this. Notice Jesus' counsel, because we're not done yet. Peter says, those who are closer to you or those who are closest to you, don't you understand? We know who you are. We know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And notice the, the response of Jesus here, and this is important for us. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen twelve? And one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it is uh, for he, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, I, I've been I've been pastoring here at the at this church here for twelve years. I've been I've been here for almost twenty years in 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 some sort of ministry. And you know, sometimes I I will be reading the Bible and just thinking about the work of God and and what God has done here over the years. And sometimes I wonder I wonder what happened to that person, or I wonder what happened to that person. This, this person used to be on fire for God, not on fire for God anymore. I wonder what happened to this person. And, and to be honest, I don't know the hearts of people. I don't know if they were saved or lost. I don't know if they were going through the motions. I, 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 don't, I don't know their heart. Only God knows their heart. Only God knows the heart. And I, I know it can be discouraging when people who are the closest to you, who no longer follow God anymore, to make decisions that would turn you away. I mean, I don't talk about this often. It's very personal. But the president of the Bible college that I attended, and he was my mentor, and I was very close to him and would talk to him and get, uh, you know, counsel for him uh, over several years. After I had graduated, he took his own life. And there were people that came to me and said, doesn't that discourage you? Doesn't that turn you away from serving God? Why would you serve God when those events would take place? And to say that I was disappointed is to, you know, to be an understatement. But I'm here to tell you that that man wasn't God. And God is still on the throne, and Jesus doesn't change by the, the world, even though our world changes. And Jesus is still alive, and he's alive forevermore. And, and those who are close to you that make decisions can obviously impact our life, and the flow of the world can impact our life. And Peter said, Lord, don't you know that those who are closest to you, we know who you are. And Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. There's 12 of you and one's a devil. Doesn't even know the Lord. How are you going to respond to that, Peter? Don't you know that there are disappointments that await us all of the time? And it is our conviction and who Jesus is that keeps us going. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Because if you look at men and you look at the deeds of men and you, you lift men up to a pedestal where they become God in your life, then friend, you are bound for disappointment. Only God won't disappoint us. Focus our attention on him. Listen to the words of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 15. He says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. They're all gone, Timothy. I'm all alone. But this is what Paul said. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. You see, God is never going to forsake us. 
and I deeply regret the fact that people that are close to us may turn away from us and disappoint us, and all of those things are a part of life. But God will never disappoint you. He will always keep his word. And so we must have confidence, no matter what happens in our life, to do what is right and to stand for truth because we know who God is. And he is still on the throne. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12. Would you turn there? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Look what the Bible says here. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. I think this is so important for our Christian life. It says, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of, your, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Peter, there's many that are, are walking away. Will you also go away? Lord, where would I go? We know who you are. But remember, Peter, disappointments in life will come. And it's knowing who he is that's going to get you through those disappointments because God never changes. God never changes. We must keep our eyes on him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We're grateful for